Hello, welcome to another episode of the Renter Power Hour. My name is Eduardo Torres. I am your host. I'm also the Northern California Regional Coordinator with Tenants Together. And today I'm joined with Lupe Ariola, our Executive Director, and Shanti Singh, our uh, Communications Guru. And today we're going to talk about a lot of stuff because it's been a while since we dropped the podcast. And uh, there's been a lot of things happening since our last episode. But first, we want to kind of dive into what's been happening with the statewide fight uh, for an extension for the moratorium. And so, you know, AB 832, that's a tongue twister. I hate that they keep renaming these things, (laughs) is the latest uh, installation of a moratorium extension. And so we're not very happy about it. So we're here today to talk about it and pick it apart and talk about what it means to tenants statewide. Yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Shanti. I'm the Legislative and Comms Director at Tenants Together. And yeah, um, AB 832, formerly known as SB 91, which itself was formerly known as AB 3088. It just just feels like a really bad, like, you know, there's always that artist who was the, the, well, I'm thinking of Prince, right? The artist formerly known. I was thinking of P. Diddy. There you go. (laughs) Someone's always changing their name. I knew it was Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah. That's what this I'm like, I wish, although let's be real, I really wish that AB 3088 as well as AB 90, SB91 or whatever, I wish they were as cool as Snoop Dogg, but they're not, <laughs> but they do keep changing their name like Snoop Dogg. Yeah, so this is version three. So this is uh, Snoop Lion. <laughs> he changed his name to Snoop Lion at one point. Yeah, this is totally Snoop Lion. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same, it's the same thing where, uh, you know, uh, Governor Newsom and administration and leadership uh, writes a bill behind closed doors. Nobody has a ton of input who needs to have input as to what's in it. Um, And then it gets passed at the very, very, very last minute, including when a lot of tenants are afraid, um, you know, afraid that the, that the cliff is right, the eviction cliff is right there. So this has now happened uh, really twice, uh, or three times rather, uh, first at the very end of August of last year, then at the end of January of this year, and now finally just a week or two ago um, at the very end of June. So that's what happened. They keep extending roughly the same protections, um, you know, which still have leave a lot of people behind because they don't really have protections for harassment and other types of evictions, only evictions for inability to pay rent. So um, they did the same thing again, except this time also they didn't really do it for long enough, um, which is also an issue. It's going until the end of September. So if you're a tenant and you're listening to this, you haven't been able to pay your rent, stay home. That's the most important thing I could be saying right now. But um, the full protections are extended till the end of September, which sadly is better than a lot of other places. I mean, the bar is in the ground. That's how low it is. But a lot of states have let their... um, limited protections expire. And we're already seeing serious problems because of that, especially because as in California, in a lot of other places, rent relief money is not getting out the door. And so that's really part of the challenge that we're dealing with. So, I mean, I'll go through really quickly what's in 8832 and try to keep it short and sweet, but um, there's protections against, you're protected against non-payment eviction uh, until September 30th. Um, you have to pay 25% of the rent you owed between the 1st of last year and the 30th, 1st of September of last year and the 30th of September of this year. I know, stay with me. Um, you have to pay 25% of that um, by September 30th. So you don't have to do it month to month or a lump sum or however you want to do it. Um, we thought this requirement was unnecessary, but the, the big change really is that uh, Governor Newsom announced that he was going to compensate landlords and tenants, um, landlords or tenants rather, uh, up to uh, 100% of the back rent that they owe and some of the prospective rent. So that money is going to your landlord ultimately. But the good, the improvement here is that before, you know, tenants, if your landlord wasn't participating um, because they didn't want what used to be an 80%, 20% deal, um, or they just weren't participating because for other reasons, Uh, you can now basically go around them and apply for the rental assistance yourself. So now there's a hundred percent direct to tenant option. And that is, that part is really good. What's not so good (laughs) is the lack of protections against harassment, 
lack of protection against other types of bogus evictions that we've seen. Um, and, and finally, it kind of creates on come October 1st, there is an expectation that people are supposed to pay their rent in full. And that means that like, that's going to leave a lot of vulnerable people behind and the state legislature is going to be out of session um, when, when October 1st comes around. So they're not really going to be able to fix their mistakes. Although Gavin Newsom still can fix his mistakes if he chooses to. Um, so that's really what we're looking ahead about. That boy better fix everything, man. He's about to get recalled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, uh, he's, that's in, that's in September. That's coming up. Yeah. So that's really what I think a lot of this is about is unfortunately like the real serious, like tenant politics that we have to deal, that we have to deal with like in our work or and everything, all of the serious policy decisions that have to be made. I think a lot of it's gotten wrapped up in the in the political situation in Sacramento and the recall and in the optics of the recall, um, which, you know, we obviously TT does not have a position on that. <laughs> we don't take positions on candidates and none of that. We're not going to talk about it. But that is really some that is the 400 pound elephant in the room, I think. Ah, sure. it's, and it's very serious and real, too. I mean, a lot of people around the state are mad. So it's a possibility as scary as it sounds and, and realistic as it sounds, it's a possibility. I mean, yeah, we have had the Terminator as governor before, so right. I guess the sky is really the limit. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we're telling you know we're updating obviously our Know Your Rights resources at tenantstogether.org um, to, and we're really encouraging people to apply for the rent relief program as soon as possible because if you do apply and your application is accepted, first of all, even if your landlord is not being good to you for whatever reason, right. you can now apply directly. You can get that hundred percent mm. and um, that getting applying and successfully applying for the rent relief program. There are some provisions that will protect you from eviction after, um, after October 1st, after mm. the things expire. Mm -hmm. But you know, it is still very, we definitely think it's too soon. It's not long enough of an extension for people's jobs okay. to fully recover. Um, we, we know that, you know, that a lot of folks don't have the means to go to court, you know, or, um, or are intimidated and leave before, you know, they get an unlawful detainer before, as soon as they get a notice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and the eviction lab has been the recent statistics that they think a third of tenants who get notices just give up and leave. So it's still going to be tough to see what happens before court, what happens in court. And, you know, we're going to be fighting as much as we possibly can to see what we can win you know, across California with our members on the local level with tenants um, and still also what we can get from the governor, right? So we're still going to keep this fight going on all fronts. And, you know, one thing to point out is that we are hearing more and more, and not just at the state level, but at the federal level, we're hearing more about eviction diversion, right? <laughs> You're like, what is that? What the hell is that? Um, it, yeah, exactly. So basically, it's eviction diversion is basically like diverting an eviction case once it gets to the courts. So once it gets to the courts, it's diverting it into mediation or diverting it into like a settlement conference or all these other things. And while, while that will serve a purpose, right, what we actually need is to stop these cases from even getting to the courts period. Um, once a tenant reaches, once a tenant's case reaches the unlawful detainer stage, they have even less control because more than 90% of tenants are not represented. Um, they're gonna have even less control because to be honest, the courts don't really understand the nuances of tenant law and really are very, very landlord um, focused and biased. Mm -hmm. And three, um, it also leaves it so that the tenant is, especially if they're not represented, are basically many times like basically bullied into a settlement agreement that might not actually, they might not actually really totally comprehend because it's written in literally a different language of um, if you're a non-English speaker, but it's also written just a different language from like, legalese to regular everyday language. And so it, it's it definitely the unlawful detainer process is a very disempowering process for tenants. And so we're saying, so it's not about diverging, the, it's not about putting the case into mediation or something once it's um, it, it reaches the, the court stage, although that is important, but at the same time, we need to actually just prevent these cases from even getting there 
by fighting, um, you know, um, invalid eviction notices, by uh, being able to challenge any people challenging um, being denied from the rent rental assistance program. Um, by And it's also really by being able to lift up protections locally for people um, with no fault evictions as well. Um, since we we are limited, unfortunately, due to a preemption um, around no around non payment non payment issues, but there's a whole world of eviction protections that can be expanded at the local level. Yeah, yeah, I think Shanti was alluding to that too, right? I mean, we're here in I think Los Angeles, and then also Richmond are trying to pass um, anti tenant harassment um, ordinances. So we need more stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're, yeah, we saw that in Richmond, it passed six to one, which was amazing. Um, the one was rather predictable mm. person. Me, I, let, yeah, I won't say their name, but uh, yeah, I have a feeling. But yeah, and, and you know, Los Angeles has passed an anti-harassment ordinance. Um, we're, we're hoping to see more uh, more action like that. It is going to be really difficult, though, unfortunately, because the you know the Governor Newsom's administration caved to landlords and did put in a provision that's preventing cities from passing their own uh, own eviction bans for non-payment specifically, um, which is really really unfortunate. And that's something that you know the CAA and the landlord lobby was able to get in last minute. Um, because this process was so, you know, opaque and, and, you know, because tenant organizers and, and tenant advocates really got the door slammed in their face. So, I mean, that, that part is really unfortunate. We're going to have to figure out how to push around that, but we're, mm-hmm. we're going to have to, so we're going to do it. Um, and just to talk a little bit about um, the ERAP, the Emergency Rental Assistance Program that rolled out back in March and is still continuing now. Through October, through the end of September, um, there have been some adjustments that have made the program um, more accessible. Hopefully, and also have made it so that hopefully more of this money, over five billion billion with a B dollars, that California has for for um, rental assistance, um, that that money is is uh, put out as soon as possible to the people that need it the most. Right. Yeah. Um, and so as of right we're now, we're kind of seeing that right now, Lupedo, right? Like it, that's kind of been a big part of the issue is that they're yes. not responding so quickly and exactly and tenants are confused and they're still sitting with, like you said, $5 billion. Yeah. So basically back when the program started in March, uh, 2021, um, the website um, had a lot of issues, including a lot of really big translation issues. Um, the state was using Google Translate to basically have these pages with very specific requirements translated for people mm-hmm. in their language. Um, it took a lot of time to fill out the application. It was too long. Um, also, actually, there's still people waiting now who in July 2021, there's people who applied in April 2021 mm-hmm. that are still waiting for their applications to be taken up and to be reviewed and to be decided if they qualify for the rental assistance. So the fact that the the state legislature has really narrowed um, how long these eviction protections can last, so as of right now to the end of September, um, really does not go with and does not really reflect the fact that this evict the ERAP program has been extremely difficult for people to really access. It's been really slow to uh, to churn out the money. Um, and to be honest, up until recently, when the governor changed it to um, landlords being able to get 100% of the money that they're owed um, since September 2020, um, a lot of landlords refused to take part in it. And actually, to be honest, a lot of landlords refuse to take part in it right now yeah, because right. There's some, they don't want the state knowing, basically knowing about their business. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you are, you are a business. If you are a landlord and you are renting to somebody, you are running a business. And so therefore you, you, yes, you are going to have some oversight um, just like everybody else. Um, and so right now what we're seeing is that some of those changes, again, yes, if a tenant applies on their own, before July 1st, they could only get up to 25% of their rent, um, which would have kept them from being evicted, basically. 
But now, starting July 1st, a tenant could apply for up to 100% of the rent that they owe since September 2020. Um, actually, I believe it's at least actually since April 2020. But they, um, they then have to turn that money over. If, once they get the money from the state, they have to turn over that money to their landlord within 15 days. If not, then the tenant gets uh, charged a late fee. But it's really important for people to know that um, at this point, you know, they, they can get 100% of their rent covered for at least the last year if they apply for the program and they qualify. Um, if, by qualify, that means that you earn less than 80% of the area median income, which is actually pretty high in most of California. Yeah. Um, for most people, it's um, anywhere, you know, for one person, it could be about 60 to 70,000 in some areas. Um, and there's people that like, for, for example, like even a family uh, of two or three who earn over 100,000, many cases can also qualify for rental assistance. But we actually really do want this um, pot of money to help folks who um, really would be saddled with this debt for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and want them to be able to get out of this pandemic debt-free. Mm -hmm. And so in order to do that, it does really need to target kind of the folks that, you know, have had the hardest time really recuperating from this um, pandemic and who would be able to um, hopefully live, you know, not have this rented around their necks forever. Yeah. Um, so it's really important if you have not applied for rental assistance yet and you need it because you have not paid rent mm -hmm any month since April, 2020, um, if you um, need that rental assistance, uh, please apply for it as soon as possible. Where can a tenant do that? So people, anyone can go to housing.ca. So housing.ca, um, which is the website from the state of California to be able to apply for um uh, for the rental assistance. You can also apply to the, so it's, sorry, it's housing.ca.gov. So housing.ca.gov. And that will actually help you navigate to um, either to apply for the state program or potentially a local program because there's some jurisdictions who decided to run their own programs um, to expand the eligibility. So you might get referred to like a local um you know, organization that is running the local program. But also every single county in California, there is a list of organizations that the, the state is paying them to help um, provide guidance, to help provide assistance, and is actually paying them to be a community partner. So even if you are applying at the state level for, for something that through the state of California program, you can still go to one of the local community partners to be able to get assistance, to check up on your application. Um, it, and that's what they're there for. They're there to help you navigate this process. Um, and we're so again, it's housing.ca.gov. Apply as soon as possible, because even though $5 billion is a lot of money, it is going to go fast especially once the money starts actually being turned out, especially now that it's 100% of the rental assistance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially um, because, again, some folks have not been able to pay rent for a year. Yeah, so right. we're looking at, you know, possibly tens of thousands of dollars. And so it's really important that folks really take advantage of this resource now yeah. because um, this money may not be there after October 1st. Yeah, that's that's real. And while it's there, take advantage of it. So, yeah, um, we, we, we want people who have not been able to pay their rent through no fault of their own mm -hmm. since April 2020 to yeah. be able to get out of this pandemic in this last hellish year and a half with like the least amount of debt possible. And so, um, you know, definitely apply for that assistance because that's what it's there for. It's there for to make sure that you don't have that rent debt hanging around your neck, either as a form as a debt or even just as something you're paying off for the next years, mm. um, in, or, in order to really in ensure a just recovery. Right. Well, I, yeah, like you mentioned, I think now's the time to apply for it and try to get that money. 
um, while it's there because $5 billion sounds like a lot of money to us, but imagine spreading that out throughout the state. So it'll go out pretty quick. Like Lupe mentioned that uh, once that money starts rolling out, it may not be there. So please take advantage of it. Um, And something that, you know, Shanti mentioned earlier while we were talking about, um, you know, SB um, 832, about some of the things that changed uh, due to, you know, I guess pressure from the CAA, let's just name it, (laughs) Uh, from the landlord lobby. Um, And we know that they had a lot of influence on the governor and the legislators there, as they always do, because uh, that seems to be a reoccurring theme. No surprise there. Um, But, you know, in response to that, TT showed up uh, in full force on July 25th, um, which was uh, in Sacramento in front of the CAA office. And um, we want to kind of do a little recap and, you know, share about why we did the action, um, who was all there. Um, and yeah, just, you know, probably explain a little bit more, um, you know, why we ended up doing that. So Shanti, like, um, you know, you were definitely on the ground, like on top of like all, all the, you know, reporters and stuff like that. And you, you and Sasha have like done such a great job with all the communications, uh, but maybe you could go, just, you know, explain a little bit uh, about what, what happened that day and why we showed up in front of the CAA's office in Sacramento. Yeah. So the CAA like made a last ditch attempt, you know, they really didn't want any protections to be extended at all, even though they knew of course that most of the money had not gone out to tenants or rather to landlords. Cause ultimately the money goes out to landlords. So Uh, But they did not want to retain eviction protections, even though the majority of people haven't gotten their rent relief yet. Um, And so they had a a, they put out a really bogus uh, paper, which had some very dubious statistics in there. Uh, Definitely as an uh, former economics student, I had some serious questions, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, they, they, they suggested that tenants were actually doing okay because people were buying cars again, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> ridiculous stuff like that. Um, but they really didn't want any extension whatsoever. So they did push to shorten it. You know, we would have wanted it for, um, we would have wanted it for at least the end of the year. We wanted to tie it to unemployment statistics because that's actually what matters. Right. But know the the landlords didn't want anything at all so they they kind of threw a temper tantrum right at the last minute there um and of course we're saying all these absolutely ridiculous things like you know that everybody's buying cars so it's fine more people bought cars and uh actually uh low-income people have been doing well financially since 2008 which okay good luck trying to get that one across anybody um yeah all sorts of wild stuff so they threw a last minute temper tantrum. And so we decided to go and, you know, tell them with some, with some comrades, some folks in DSA Sacramento, um, our, our friends at ACE Sacramento, uh, folks who are from San Francisco Housing Rights Committee, um, who else? Sacramento, Ten- Sacramento Tenants Union. Sacramento Tenants Union, duh. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> Stu. I didn't, I didn't mean it's been a long day and it's Friday. and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So uh, we went up there and uh, I'll let Lupe take it away from here, but I will say that we had a, we had a very fun theme. Hella fun. Yes. So, so we were actually trying to figure out what would embody the, the, how we're feeling about how the SCAA is, is acting right now. And we were like, they are really like, they're wanting to have their rental assistance Mm -hmm. and their evictions too, right? Mm -hmm. They're wanting to get all this 100% rental assistance and repayment and yet are saying, well, we don't wanna extend eviction protections even for those people that, you know, are paying back all of this back rent, right? So it's like wanting to have your, you know, your federally funded, sorry, it's like wanting to have your federally and state funded cake and eating it too, right? Um, and people's housing as well. So we decided actually on a theme of vampires because landlords are literally just sucking all of us dry out of our house and home, literally Blood by suckers. either what? I said blood suckers. That's what they are. Yeah, I mean, they're literally sucking like all the blood and spirit and soul out of our communities by evicting people, raising rents. And then now, again, wanting to, you know, trying to suck up $5 billion of rental assistance and not wanting to give 
give anything up in terms of ability to evict people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we, you know, we got some fake blood. We got a coffin that we, we that was actually borrowed from a friend. Um, we had um, fangs and, and costumes, um, and we had we had posters that really signified the you know, the stop sucking us dry, you know, landlords, you know, our vampires theme. <laughs> and we had a really good time. We had really amazing speakers. We had a speaker who's a student that is, who's also an, an organizer um, from ACE who really spoke to what he's been seeing in his community. Um, you know, we actually, we actually had a lot of folks in the area because that area is of course very busy. There's a park in front, Capitol is only a couple blocks away. And we had a lot of people walking by who just yeah. were like, absolutely we are and we're telling us about the hardships they've had over the last year and we're telling us about their friends and family and we were like yes this is exactly why we're here and so we even got joined by folks on the street who were like we are totally with you and what you're doing because um it's ridiculous that you know landlords basically get a bailout it's like a bank the bank bailout that banks got back in 2000 exactly what landlords yeah landlords are the same bailout without having to give up anything. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, and that is something we do still really feel strongly about. And it's something that we're going to continue dealing with, but we feel that making our presence known there, having them see that we feel that this is really unjust and also letting them know that we're not going to go away just because this latest bill passed, yeah. I, I felt was really important in this moment. Yeah. And no, I was, it was fun it was hella fun. <laughs> like, you know, we, like Lupe mentioned, you know, there's folks dressed um, like uh, vampires, you know, they had the capes on and we had uh, plastic fangs and had a band. Yeah. So yeah, we had a band um, shout out to uh, Deepa who hooked up the band. Um, the brass liberation orchestra, brass liberation orchestra. orchestra. Yep. They have a very long history of playing at protests and actions. Mm-hmm. So big shout out to them. Um, yeah, for they weren't. They weren't at the. It was at the full band, but they got still like you know a good handful. I mean, all we needed was like a couple of them, and we made so much noise, um, which was the point. Like we wanted the CAA to hear us and stuff. And yeah, we got some great press coverage. Um, we got let's see, was the Sacramento Bee. We had Univision. We had ABC Ten, which is like a local news affiliate, but goes out well beyond Sacramento, actually. Um, and there was some, uh, cool videos, uh, with, uh, like, like dramatic Lupe's voiceover and, uh, <laughs> on top of protest music, it was high quality production value. So I was thinking about like stealing it and putting it on our website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got for something that we organized literally the day before we got a decent amount of news coverage. Literally I- days before, like we're rushing. And yeah, yeah. And I think the the vampire the vampire theme was great because then we ended up uh, getting used in other people's articles, like more news outlets that didn't necessarily report on the action. <laughs> they just really liked seeing the vampire costume thing, so they're putting it on like the headlines of all their articles. Yeah, so something like vampires protest landlords or something, and that yeah. was like the best. <laughs> well, you know, we've kept all the costumes, so they'll they'll be ready for the next time. Oh yeah, you you know the only way you know until we put a stake through them, right? <laughs> yeah, we're like put a stake through landlord harassment, you know, metaphorically, metaphorically, metaphorically. No asking, one will get hurt in the making of that. Definitely of that. not a lot asking people to go through that, really. <laughs> no, 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 no. But we are saying that you know there is something happening here that is not right, which is that you know basically. Tenants are getting kicked out of their homes while landlords are getting 100% back of the money that tenants have not been able to pay. And it's like, that's not, that's not a fair exchange. No, it's that's not. a pretty crappy one. <laughs> yeah. Hence the, the monster theme, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, just, um, I think also it was really good that we got the kind of coverage that we did. Cause I think people, I think cause the theme really resonated with people. And I think the fact that it's just such an uneven deal that really helps landlords in a way that doesn't help tenants. I feel like that's something that it, w- it wasn't just us who saw that, like uh, so many other people saw that. And I'm glad that we got to call it out because not many people were. And we, I think we're at kind of at the point where we're like, we can't really be afraid to call out the, like the hypocrisy of some of these deals. And even though like good people work 
on people that we love and people that have worked really hard on these deals, including us, we've worked really hard on these deals to get the best deal possible. Right. It's still not good enough. And we need to always be present about that and, and be say, Hey, we need, like, this was not good enough. We need to fight for more. Damn right. Damn right. We got a lot of approving car honks too. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People were all about it. So we're here today dressed as vampires because we're here to tell Governor Newsom and the California Apartment Association that landlords need to stop, stop sucking tenants dry. They are sucking up all of the rental assistance that is available, yet they're not giving anything back. That is the definition of a vampire who takes and does not give. The proposal from Governor Newsom his proposal to extend those protections till September 30th is not good enough. We have been demanding that these protections be extended until the end of the year. Currently, they will expire September 30th, which is not enough time for the, the rental assistance program to disperse the money that it needs to disperse. It's not enough time for folks to be able to get back on their feet if they've been out of work for over a year. for folks to be able to pay back any rent that they may owe, especially for folks that may not qualify for rental assistance. And we feel that it gives landlords um, everything, including 100% of rental assistance, but is giving tenants not enough additional protections that will keep them in their homes in the long term. And we are saying, if you're gonna take billions of dollars of rental assistance, then you at the very least owe tenants extended eviction protections that will protect them long after that rental assistance has been dispersed. Today we have a special guest joining us, uh, our fellow comrade at Tennis Together, uh, Ryan Bell, who is our Southern California Regional Coordinator, is here today to talk about the rent control campaign that's happening in the city he lives in, in Pasadena. Uh, we're really excited to hear more about what's happening on the ground and also just maybe get a little bit of history of how they even got here, because I know a lot of folks are curious about how they can, um, you know, organize a rent control campaign. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really great to be here. Yeah. And, you know, we're really excited for you working on the rent control campaign in Pasadena. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening there, how you guys even got there? I'm sure a lot of people are curious about what those steps look like. Yeah. Um, the rent control campaign in Pasadena has been around for about four or five years, about four years, actually since the beginning of the Pasadena Tenants Union. The folks who first started the Tenants Union, I think had rent control in mind when they got started. And we really kicked off our first campaign in 2017. And our approach has been to use a ballot initiative to um, get enough signatures from um, voters in Pasadena to put it on a ballot and then ask the voters to decide because our city council has never expressed any interest in talking to us about rent control. Um, they haven't shown any interest in the topic at all and don't even respond to us <laughs> when we ask to talk about it. So from the very beginning, it was a ballot initiative approach. And the people who crafted the language of the potential law um, crafted it as a charter amendment, uh, which means it would uh, literally amend the charter of the city and would be permanent unless voters again decided to amend the charter. Um, so it would be a really strong provision, but it means we have to get even more signatures than we normally would to qualify for the ballot. So yeah, so I know you mentioned that this has already this effort has been on its way for the last three or four years. Um, can you tell me about have there been other attempts to do to pass rent control in Pasadena, um, and how have those other attempts gone? And kind of what how how did that help you all get to this point? Yeah, like I said, the first one was um, getting ready in 2017 to be on the 2018 ballot, um, and we fell short. We needed about, I guess we needed about 13 or 14,000 signatures. It's about the same as what we need today. And we got about 10,000, but we were still three, 4,000 signatures short. So we didn't even turn those signatures in. We knew we, we didn't have enough. So that was our first try. Um, since then, you know, that was just the tenants union. Since then, we've started what we call the Pasadena Tenant Justice Coalition, which is led by the tenants union, but includes a lot of other organizations within the city of Pasadena 
to broaden the coalition. We knew that we, you know, after failing the first time, we knew we needed more people, more organizational support, just more community support. Um, I don't think we, we were a little naive, I think, about how hard it would be to get 14,000 signatures uh, with just volunteers. We did, I guess, hire some paid signature gatherers, but it was mostly a volunteer effort. And then we were thinking about um, going for the 2020 ballot and we were we launched the coalition in 2019 and we were getting ready to go through the whole process again and COVID hit. And we thought, wow, how hard will it be to get signatures when we can't really knock on doors safely? Um, people will be pretty freaked out and it would be really you know, careless of us to, to do that. So we sort of shelved the idea, just kept doing some background work, um, worked on the tenants union, mostly trying to keep people from being evicted and, and protect, keep them protected during COVID. And then, you know, this, so we set our sights on the 20, um, the 2022 ballot. Um, I think it's really interesting that, you know, um, sorry, I think it's really interesting how you talk about that, you know, basically COVID ended up really derailing, uh, not just your, mm. you know, Pasadena's rent control campaign, but also many, you know, from what we know, many other just organizing campaigns and tenant rights campaigns around the state and around the country, really. So um, can I ask you, like, what are some of the lessons maybe that you feel that PTU and um, in the just in the Pasadena Justice Coalition has have learned in the last couple of attempts to put this, um, you know, to put this um, proposition on the ballot? And then also what have what, what do you feel like PTU has learned about um, just even going through the through this last year and how mm -hmm. that can be informed, like, the, the current campaign. Yeah, I mean, I think for, I can't speak for the whole coal, the whole coalition or the, even the whole tenants union, um, but from my perspective and just knowing folks in the union as I do, I mean, it's been clear to me that we just don't have the power that we need yet as tenants in the city. Um, someone did a, one of the, our partner organizations, a group called Pasadena's Organizing for Progress, hired a market research firm to do a survey, to do a survey in Pasadena about um, attitudes towards rent control and just cause eviction protections. And in all seven council districts, the majority of Pasadena voters, according to the survey, favor both provisions, rent control and just cause for evictions. Um, but we just realized that we still don't have the strength to penetrate the city and and really um, talk to enough people quickly enough um, to get this done. And so I think that's that was one thing we learned from the first campaign, and which is why we really started building a much broader coalition. And it, it's interesting because it, it means that we're in coalition with people who don't necessarily uh, agree with us about everything, of course, but um, but who are sympathetic. And I think the what COVID has also shown is that uh, it's really put tenant issues and the, the precarity of tenant housing um, on people's consciousness way more than before. Um, I think people thought about, you know, rising rents, especially if you were a renter yourself, but I think really even homeowners and people who are more what we might call middle-class who haven't thought about probably ever, ever in their life, maybe ever thought about missing a rent payment, you know, suddenly missing rent payments because they got laid off due to COVID suddenly much more aware of how, how it is to be a lower income tenant. And um, so I think that's really helped us. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing is just the strength of the, the capitalist class in all cities really, but especially small to medium sized cities. Um, you know, there's not a robust media presence. A lot of stuff goes unreported. Um, even the media that we do have is not really investigative journalism, you know, so it's, it's tough for, um, to hold bad actors accountable. And, um, and there's a really entrenched capitalist class, capitalist class that works with, you know, between city council and developers and such to, to fight these kinds of measures. And um, so we're gearing up for that. We haven't seen any opposition yet, but we expect if we get if we qualify for the ballot, the uh, the opposition will be there. Yeah, the CAA is going to show up. You know they're going to show up, and yeah, have a lot of money. One thing that you uh, mentioned early, Ryan, was that there was like some attempts to try to do it through the city council, but the city council wasn't 
like hearing you guys. Um, it's, I'm assuming the city council is pretty conservative there, right? It is. It's, it's one of those weird things about California politics. There are most of them Democrats, but pretty conservative. Well, that's kind of where I was going with this, because I know there's definitely a lot of groups on the ground who have tried for many years to try to push, you know, rent control through a city council, you know, and you have like all these registered Democrats sitting on the council, but they're not doing it. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I find that is like a, a I think in a valuable lesson to 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 really think about that, like you can only try so much with the city council and like what Pasadena Tenants Union is doing right now is really awesome. They're like, forget this. We're going to go do this our own and and put this on a ballot. And I think it's super important to highlight that because, um, yeah, sometimes our local governments aren't really as progressive or as down with with the working class as they say they are. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, what I should have mentioned earlier when I was talking about, you know, the, the enmeshment of local government and capitalist, the capitalist sort of classes that, you know, we've identified that at least half um, we have a seven member, um, well, eight members, if you count the mayor. So like about half, maybe I don't, I don't know. It's hard to confirm exactly, but at least four, maybe five of our city council members are landlords themselves. Wow. So you guys have a campaign going on right now, right? Like where can tenants yeah. find information? Like how can folks in Pasadena and even in surrounding areas who want to like help and throw down, how can they get involved with this campaign? Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, folks can go to PasadenaTenantJustice.org. Uh, PasadenaTenantJustice.org, and pretty much all the information is there. Of course, if you are a registered voter in Pasadena, we would love to to hear from you. Um, you can write to us at PasadenaTenantJusticeCoalition at gmail.com, and we'd love you not only to sign the petition, but also um, help us gather signatures. As I mentioned, you know we have fourteen thousand signatures signatures to gather, <laughs> and um, you know when you go out for three hours and get ten signatures, you start to realize how long this is going to take. Um, sometimes we, we know we sort of hit the mother load, you know, we'll go to a community barbecue or a community party event, you know, in the city and we'll get 50 all at once, you know, so it, it goes in, in, you know, spurts, but we definitely need all the help we can get. We're going to be tabling all different places around the city. We're going to be going door to door every weekend. In fact, um, tomorrow we have two canvases, one at 9 a.m. and one at 3 and on Sunday, we have one at three, and that's going to be consistent every weekend until um, one of us collapses or, or something goes wrong. But <laughs> Wow. Um, so, but how about folks that cannot join you to yeah. do some uh, canvassing and, uh, sure. you know, walking, um, right, walking yeah. to, to get some signatures? What about those yeah. folks? How can we support? How can the rest of California? Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> Come on, California. Here we go. So um, you can donate. Um, there's a, a nice big donate button on our website. Um, it'll take you to our, our donation portal. And um, yeah, w- what we do with that money is like right now, actually, we're sending to press as we speak uh, a really attractive doorknob hanger. So when nice. we don't find anybody home, um, we hang that on their doorknob and it has a QR code where they can go to our website. Um, we're doing a system where people can pledge to vote and they give us their phone number and their email and we contact them and literally go follow up with them. So we're trying to, you know, use a digital mm-hmm. system to create, you know, momentum for a paper ballot. So, so donations are really helpful. Um, we have a lot of plans. If we get to the ballot, we're going to need yard signs and um, bumper stickers and radio ads and all kinds of stuff. So um, urgently need donations. Also, our social media accounts are linked on our website. You can find all of them there from Instagram to Twitter and um, Facebook. So follow us and share what we put out with your audience as well. That would be super helpful. I think it's amazing just all the work that it takes to even get something onto the ballot, yeah. right? And that's Ugh. even just, that's yeah. just even like the first part of the struggle. And then it's actually once it's on the ballot, Mm. then it's getting enough votes to pass it. It's like mm. this huge, such it's such a huge, 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 like uh, obstacle to make people go through to one, get all the signatures and then two, get the votes to pass the actual ordinance. So just to, just to kind of let people know that whenever a, a, a local jurisdiction um, decides to go for a rent control measure and it actually gets on the ballot, a lot of work has gone to make that happen. <laughs> and so that 
people mean business. Like this is a serious thing for a community if they decide to put it in the ballot. And definitely that um, it's not something that people have not given much thought to, but actually something people have given a lot of thought and time and resources into because it matters and because it's important. So just kind of to highlight that, that it's, it's such a, it's a lot of work to make this happen. Yeah. And the other thing is too, that there's a whole system of validating signatures once you gather them and they'll throw out any signature that they can't verify. And, you know, one thing we just talked to the city clerk about today is like, what if say you sign the petition and then you move and you didn't know you were going to move when you signed it, but like you say, Oh, my, you know, my buddy got a new apartment. He needs a roommate. Okay, cool. I'm going to move in with him. Now your address is different. And if you register, if you re-register to vote, now your address is at that other address and your vote, your signature will be invalidated. So if that person thinks to call us and say, Hey, I moved, can I sign again? But who's going to really do that? Right. So it's, you know, the whole system is really, I, I sometimes tell people the whole system is designed for us to fail. Yeah. Like it's not, they do, they meaning the political class does not want us to succeed at this. Imagine, you know, how, uh, you know, they, they don't really want people messing with the city charter. <laughs> It's kind of a sacred document that is, you know, meant to be stay put, you know, and and uh, so if you're going to amend the city charter, they're going to make it super hard, hella hard. They never make it easy for us. Mm-mm. Thanks, Ryan, for so much for bringing this to our attention. I know that you're a TT staff member, but you're also super heavily involved with the Pasadena Tenants Union. And it's just kind of to, to me, it really shows kind of how our staff is really at the front lines of what's happening around the state. Um, so I, you know, just want to thank you again for all that work that you're doing out there. Um, thank you. And, and definitely please keep us updated on what's happening with the signatures, um, what's happening with, um, just the ballot measure in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's so important that people understand that just as we fought for votes to be counted, um, during the last, you know, uh, presidential election and the last congressional elections in terms of like people's actual votes to be counted, not like the made up votes (laughs) that people were saying. Like, um, I think it's so that it's so much about like voter justice and it is so much about like uh, having the most impact of folks being able to have access to that voting system. Um, It's just as relevant in a federal election as it is in a local election for rent control. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I think um, it just occurs to me too, I should give a shout out to the people that are really helping us because honestly, like the Pasadena Tenants Union, even if you were generous and added up like all the people that are involved, it's maybe like 50 to 100 people. And there's really no way 50 to 100 people can do this alone. Um, And so, yeah, huge props to um, DSA LA, um, Ground Game LA, um, a few other organizations that probably folks might not no, because they're very local, uh, but the ACLU, the League of Women Voters in Pasadena, um, a bunch of clergy associations and churches that are starting to, to come on board. So it's it really is a community-wide effort. And uh, I think that's a good thing, you know, because then the whole community is really invested in protecting it once it gets passed as well. Yep. You, I mean, you have to protect it after it gets passed because, yeah, we've seen so many cases of of uh, situations where it gets picked apart as soon as <laughs> something gets passed by the people. Well, Ryan, Absolutely. you know, thank you so much again for joining us and thank you for sharing uh, everything that's happening in Pasadena and shout out to all the great work that you're doing and the Pasadena Tenants Union is doing and, uh, you know, good luck with everything. And we're here to support you. And I'm sure all the tenants and uh, housing advocates listening to this podcast is going to be down to support your cause as well. Yeah, hit me up. I look forward to talking to many of you. Thanks so much, Eduardo. Okay, with all the actions that we're doing and all the legislative work that we're doing, we still need a lot of support from folks. Um, So Lupe, how can people help Tennis Together? How can they keep supporting the work that we're doing? Um, Well, there's many ways people can support. Um, You can support by one, um, giving us money. (laughs) That is always something we can use. Um, Please know that every dollar you give really does go towards making um, this work happen at the state level and towards um, enforcing, helping to enforce tenant rights, empowering tenants. Um, you know, it really goes, every dollar goes towards ensuring that our team is 
stays um, stays healthy, that our team keeps growing. Um, you know, we've grown as an organization over the last year um, from about six, seven people to now 11 people. And so, and that's because we understand that we need to have more folks in the state working um, towards uh, creating a tenant movement. And so, you know, we definitely would appreciate that support. So definitely money is one. Two, you can volunteer. Um, you can always contact Victoria at tenantstogether.org if in case you're interested in volunteering. It could be anything from like being on our hotline to if you're interested in doing a research project to if you want to help us clean up like materials on the web or something. All, all abilities are welcome. Um, in terms of a donation, you can always go to www.tenistogether.org backslash donate. In order to be able to make a donation, you can also just go to our website and there is a, a donate button on the upper right-hand side. Um, other ways you can support. If you have an employer that is willing to match um, your giving for the year, um, we really definitely encourage you to um, include us in that. Uh, we've been able to get some of our amazing volunteers whose employers um, can match their giving um, for the year. We've been able to get some really um, amazing donations to that. Um, also, for those of you in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, you can donate your items to Community Thrift and um, say that you want any proceeds to go to Tenants Together and they will give us money whenever they sell any of your stuff that you no longer want in your house. That's another great way to do that. Um, and yeah, so just last but not least, like definitely engage with us on social media, you know, spread the word about tenant rights, um, spread the word about tenants together. Um, you know, we know that not everybody can give funds, but if you can, we would really, really appreciate it. If you have time, we would also really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, just definitely um, any way that you could think of to support, we are probably open to it. So get, so let us know. Thanks, Lupe. That's right, folks. Tennis Together is always looking for your support, but we're also here to support you, the California renter. So don't forget to check out our website at tennistogether.org for more resources and information about your rights as a renter. We want to thank our Southern California Regional Coordinator, Ryan Bell, our Executive Director, Lupe Ariola, and our Communications and Legislative Director, Shanti Singh, for joining us on this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Renter Power Hour on SoundCloud and other podcast streaming services. We promise to keep recording more episodes for your listening enjoyment. Thanks again for listening. Mm -hmm.